It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you're having a fantastic day out there today. We're going to continue right at it. we got a lot of ground to cover, as always, here in the fastest 60 minutes in radio. And whenever I'm looking for a, a good think piece, uh, I go to our good friend James Walner. And uh, James has a, a a really interesting take on uh, what's happening. Uh, I think a lot of Americans do recognize that our politics is broken uh, that we that something's happening, uh, but I think we're kind of misdiagnosing it a little bit. And uh, James took that on in a uh, fabulous piece uh, in Law and Liberty today. James, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, uh, so tell me how how are we misdiagnosing uh, the problem as just the uh, polarization and the contempt that's going on in the country? Well, that certainly seems to be the conventional view today: that polarization, the partisanship, are the problem. But I tend to think it's a little bit deeper. And really, what happened in Iowa last week, what happened with the caucuses, and more specifically how we reacted to it, I think really shows us that the key problem with politics today is that we've changed how we think about it and how we participate in it. And we're no longer willing to do the things that you have to do to participate in politics. We're just too impatient for the activity, it seems to me. Yeah, and that's uh, it's so interesting because uh, we, we talk a lot. Uh, we're talking in Utah's uh, Capitol Hill right now of, you know, how do you make it easier? How do you make it more accessible? How do you make it quicker? Uh, you know, we're, we're, we no longer require people to show up to cast a vote. They can do it at their kitchen table. Uh, is all of that really helping the process? Uh, or are we uh, just kind of deceiving ourselves on that one? Well, my take on it is that it's certainly not helping the process. Look, today, American see politics is, is inconvenient. It's, a, it's something they engage in only out of necessity. And when you look at it in that way, it transforms politics into an activity that we engage in out of necessity to produce a certain outcome. And that's not how the framers understood politics. That's not how people throughout our history have understood politics. You know, John Adams has a fabulous quote where he says, it is action, not rest, that constitutes our pleasure. For them, politics was an activity in which we come together with our peers and our equals and we make collective decisions. And it's, it's something that goes on in community with others. It's not something where an individual just goes into a voting booth or uses an app in the privacy of their own home to just kind of register a vote and then leave. That's not the way that they've understood politics historically. Yeah, I, I think it's so interesting that we, we often do look to technology <laughs> as the substitute for real engagement. So we see that with social media, that uh, we've, we've gone from, you know, going over and having a conversation with someone in their living room or on the front porch or over the back fence uh, to, to liking uh, their picture of their breakfast. Uh, and we, <laughs> we call that human connection. Uh, the founders said that's just not going to cut it. You're absolutely right. I mean, look, technology fools us into thinking that we can eliminate the uncertainty 
from politics. And, and you can't do it because politics is, a, is like I said, a, a decision-making process where equals come together to make collective decisions. And since all of us can act and speak in any way that we see fit, you can't ultimately eliminate uncertainty from it. But it's absolutely critical that you come together with your peers in a political process because you have to affirm that person. You have to acknowledge the, what the person is saying to you, you, and you have to recognize them as an individual. And that has a, a way of impacting the tenor of the debate and making things a little bit more reasonable in that sense. Whereas if you're just engaging with people over social media or you're engaging with them as, with talking points in the press, you look at you don't engage their humanity. You kind of talk over them, and they become an abstract idea. And that's really unproductive, and I think that's what we see today happening. Yeah, and so how do you how do you see that playing out, uh, James? As we look at uh, what's going to be a, a very contentious uh, 2020 cycle, we we see the Democrats are are going to have a very long, protracted uh, engagement there in terms of getting to their nominee. Uh, but is there anything that's going to change the dynamic this year, or what can we do to begin to change that uh, engagement and make it a little bit better? Well, I think the first thing is recognizing that there are local politics, there's state politics, there's the civil society out there. So I think just Americans trying to understand that from the bottom up, that's how you change things. And the first thing is to reclaim your sense of civic community and to engage in debates with your neighbors and your family and your friends, to engage in debates and do those sorts of things. And it will filter its way up. And look, the federal level, it's really distant. From, from the local level for lots of different reasons. And sometimes it is going to be a little bit harder to have those kind of, uh, those types of engagement. But if you, if we change the signals that we're sending to our candidates and to our members of Congress and to the president, if we change the signals we send to them, then maybe they might actually start working again in Congress and engaging with each other and as peers in a process whereby they make decisions as opposed to just talking past each other with their talking points of the day. Uh, I, I love that concept of filter up. <laughs> we we often view our politics as a top down, uh, just kind of a cascading from whatever is coming uh, from our our elected officials. I, I'm I'm starting to not use the term leader anymore <laughs> out of Washington because it's <laughs> it's other. If you weren't there, James, I think we might just abandon it and start over, uh, maybe in Belize or somewhere. Uh, but tell me tell me more about this filter up. I find that a, a fascinating concept. Uh, and can we can we do that? And what is it going to take to do that here in America? Well, I think it, I think anything's possible, and it simply takes us recognizing what politics actually is and how it operates. Look, the American Revolution. We tend to think today that it happened instantaneously with with the Declaration of Independence, and that was it, and it transmitted this idea that we were now free and independent. But that's not it. Look. The American Revolution happened decades and decades before, and it, and it basically happened when American citizens or British citizens at the time were engaging in the act of self-government in their own colonial assemblies and making their own decisions. And they were engaging in the speech-making and the decision-making processes. And then, yes, over time, it ultimately created a new reality that was then expressed in words in the Declaration of Independence. But it really comes from the bottom up, and it comes from your actions as an equal American citizen and what your expectations are for how this life should go and how politics should happen and how we make collective decisions. Uh, that's a great, great insight, James. I think we need to, to uh, launch a, a new uh, kind of Ben Franklin leather apron society and, and just get these conversations going, as you say, to filter up 
uh, and really change the dynamic. Got just about 60 seconds left, uh, James. Uh, as you look at the uh, at the road ahead in terms of how do we apply this, uh, again, how do we get beyond just looking at uh, our politics as a transaction, an individual isolated in your own bubble uh, activity to one that we're really are engaged. And I think you were hitting in the right space in terms of civil society. No, you're absolutely right. And I think recognizing that individuals have very little power in this nation, this fabulous nation of ours, because it's just so hard to impact things like the federal government if you're just one individual, unless you have billions of dollars laying around somewhere. But even then, you need others to, to help out. Basically, advocacy groups, interest groups, political parties, these things are all tools that allow people to come together and participate in an activity to influence what their Congress does. And so I think having an expectation that One, our members of Congress need to operate and act in a certain way inside Congress to do the things they said that they wanted to do, number one. And then two, recognizing that it's only with our peers and our fellow citizens that we can actually come together and have enough influence to hold our members accountable and make sure they actually do act in that way. Fantastic. James Walner, always appreciates your insight. You can read uh, James' piece uh, on law and liberty. Uh, Great piece. There is no app uh, for self-government. James, thanks again for being with us today. Thanks for having me. All right. I want to know your take on that. Uh, key in, chime in, pipe in uh, with your thoughts uh, on our uh, Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500, Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line. want to know what's on your mind today. We're going to step aside. Final break. When we come back, final segment, we're going to talk about a wonderful, very important principle called bounceability. Bounceability when we come back on KSL News Radio.